My name is Lex Dad, and I'm a local Darug man. We share country up here in the Blue Mountains with the Gundangara people. I'd like to pay respects to our elders, both past and present. I'd like to pay respects to our young people who are our emerging elders. I'd like to pay respects to Pemawiyunga, Mother Earth, and Father Sky, Biami. And I say in our link, local Darug language, Warami Mirega Darug Nyura. Welcome, friends, to Darug country and Yanana Budrigumara. May we all walk with good spirit, with patience, humility, and respect for one another. Didgeridoo, and thank you. Hello from Gundungara and Darug country. This is I'm Catherine and this is Zach. Hello again. And we're the hosts of the radio show Paperback Writer, a show about all things books. It's a book show for all paperback writers and readers featuring book reviews, interviews with local Australian and international authors, new releases, literary awards, novel ideas and lots and lots of book-related puns. Lots of puns. Let's see how many we can come up with today. I know, I was pretty impressed with all the ones I had about the ship last week. That was I didn't good. know I had that many, but... What, what about my? How, how do you measure a ship? By Demeter? Yeah. Because the name of the ship is Demeter? I was a bit ship. <laughs> <coughs> I didn't swear. Community <laughs> radio. Um, no, it was good. It was good last week, wasn't it? We, we had so much to talk about. And today, of course, we, you know, we'll, we'll do our usual, talking about what we've read. Our theme today is also going to be um, unputdownable books, um, which uh, I think would be a really good topic. Well, it depends how you define unputdownable as well. We've just had a bit of a, an, an interesting discussion with um, one of our two listeners um, <laughs> about, about how to define unputdownable. So we can have a chat about that as well, I think. But what have you been reading in the meantime? Well, I'm currently reading something that I'm absolutely in love with, but I might save it uh, for next well, week. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's called Piranesi, and it's by Susanna Clark. So she wrote um, Dr. What is it, Doctor Strange and Mister Norrell? Something like that. Yeah. It's a really big red yeah. book. It's quite thick, yeah. which I've never read, and I it's been on my list to read for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I remember someone came into our shop and they said, "I knew that you would have books that I like because that was the first thing I saw on the shelf." And so I already like you, and I like your shop. And I was like, "Okay, that's quite high praise." Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be quite hard to describe. Can you can you just uh, spell the title? Uh, so P I R A N E S I. Piranesi. Piranesi, okay. Yeah, and so does not that refer like to anything in not particular? like the mountains. Uh, the, in not France. like the Pyrenees. No, right. Uh, it, well, it's the name of the character apparently, but he. Well, it's what he's called. See, this is the thing. I'm going to just talk around in circles trying to describe <laughs> this, but I'll try. Okay. So it starts with this character Piranesi, and he's in a house, and we don't know how long he's been there, and I don't think he knows either. And this house is marble hallways, hundreds, you know north, south, east and west, heaps and heaps of amazing carved statues, like hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, and it's, a, it's an absolute labyrinth. And uh, there's um, tides, uh, waves down the very bottom. I think there's three levels. Um, okay. And so there's heaps of tides and that's where he gets his food. And then up the top he, th- there's clouds uh, and they move through the upper halls. So it's this huge labyrinth. Um, 
and you've lost me already. That's what I mean, <laughs> and, and it's it's hard to describe because it's it's so fascinating. So he's a scientist. He sees himself as a scientist, and he takes notes of everything that's happened okay. in a very scientific matter. Right. Um, and there's one other person in the halls, and he calls him the other. He doesn't know his name, and this other calls him Piranesi, and he sort of says, "I don't think that's my name, but it's what he calls me." So I'll just go okay, with it. Sure. They meet twice a week to talk about their scientific. I don't know what they've explored, what they've discovered. Okay, yeah, and yeah. this other person thinks that this house has some it's somehow will give him magical powers um and so we don't know where this world is but we just know it's these huge marble halls and it's the what weirdest is this thing. book about that's what i mean it's really hard to describe but i could wow. not and you know what it's it's been un- unput down oh there you go okay it actually has and it's re- when it was described to me i had the same reaction to you as you is just what <laughs> yeah. and i'm just so impressed by Susanna clark because mm. How do you come up with these concepts? And now I'm starting to, you know, we're getting clues as to what the house is and why he's there. And it's it's almost a, um, not a, like a mystery novel now because we're getting these little clues. And, and, and Piranesi himself is really charming and sweet and he almost worships the house and the house provides for him. And he's he's almost wow. one with the house and there's dead bodies, um, like bones that have washed up and he brings food to them and cares for them because they're, ha- they're part of the house. It's it's what really is odd. going That's on? That's what I mean. It's really hard to describe, and I'm not good at describing books anyway, wow. but I tell you what, okay. I love it. From the moment I picked it up, I, w- I just, what is this house? Who's Piranesi? What's yeah, happening? Wow. And I, you, you, you learn more and more, and I'm just so... Is it one of those books you're thinking about when yes. you're not reading it? And I'm really annoyed that we have a show on because I'd rather be reading this book <laughs> and finding out what's going to happen. Oh, apologies for that, Catherine. Yeah, I know. How rude. <laughs> well, no, because it's so good. And um, the, the person that recommended well, – Alex recommended it to me and just loved it. Yeah. And then um, at Book Club where they recommended it um, – Someone else read it too, Mary, um, our, our, another friend of ours. and Our, our she, other listener. Our other listener. And yeah. she loved it. She absolutely loved it. So I, I thought, well, you know, got to give this a okay, go. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, really odd, but in the, in a perfect way. Um, so that's what I've been reading, but I haven't finished How it yet. How far through are you? Um, but yeah, probably three quarters. Okay, cool. And so it's, it's easy to read. I mean, it's one of those books where I find myself skipping ahead and sort of um, quick reading it because I want to know what happens. Yeah, wow. And then I think, no, savour it because <laughs> you're actually really enjoying it. Um, that and that does sound unput down or... Yeah. Mm. And I mean, part of the reason I didn't start for a while is, I mean, I've been reading a bit of poetry and things, but also I just wanted to mm. marinade, <laughs> is not quite the word I want, in, in Janet Frame. Luxuriate, maybe. Well, no, not quite. Well, I don't know. You know when you finish a good book and you're just not quite ready to start a new one yeah. because you're still in that world and you're still... Unless you're Madison who doesn't finish books. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what I should chapter. have done. <laughs> N- you know, not find out what happened. <laughs> Yeah, um, I know what you mean. So, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't finished it yet, but I, I don't feel like I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, cool. And I, I feel like I might get... I started the book. I'm not very good at not knowing what happens in the end of things. <laughs> like if a movie or a book Predicting ends. Predicting the plot, that kind well, of no, thing. Well, no, when it ends and it's ambiguous. Oh, and you have to, oh, and yes. I always <laughs> have to go, oh, well, what happened? And I kind of imagine on my own because I, yeah. I know that's a really good ending to a lot of books. But this one, I actually feel like I might get some closure, which I never would have guessed when wow. I started because okay. it's just odd. He's walking around, measuring halls, talking to statues, collecting fish. <laughs> As you do. I'm fascinated to hear how uh, Susanna Clark achieves closure with with the, the plot I mean. so far. That's and and where I'm at now, I'm just like, I would not have guessed this. And also, you don't know, what it, like, is it in our world that we're in? Is mm. it in another world? And So you, you get these clues, and I tell you what, I think there's no... Even when I finish it, I don't think I can tell you because it'll be such a spoiler. Yeah, sure. Because it's fantastic. Already I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have guessed this, so... 
I actually don't think I'll be able to tell you much next week other than whether I enjoyed it or not because what I've learned, it is a huge spoiler. Okay. Um, well, that makes for good radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's a book. You should read it. Here's, not a, here's, telling a, here's you. a show about books. I can't tell you anything about the book, but you should read it. Yeah. I, trust me. It's kind of enticing. Trust me. <laughs> and what um, about you? What have you been reading? Well, speaking of poetry, I've been going through Drop Bear uh, oh, again. Oh, it's so by good, isn't Evelyn it? Evelyn Arulin, I believe the yeah. name was pronounced. Um, it is amazing. I'm, I'm halfway through it. I've flicked through it in, uh, before and just picked out a couple of things here and there. But this um, earlier this week, I sat down to actually start going through it. Because I've only read, it's the, got the three parts and I've only mm. read the first part. And then I thought, you know what? I love that. I'm just going to sit with it for a yeah, while I'm, and I'm come ha- back. I'm halfway through the second part. Isn't I think. it good? It is really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. And I can absolutely see why it won uh, the the Stella Prize. Oh, ten times over. Um, which I mean, it was the first book of poetry to win the Stella Prize. Um, and it's interesting because it does. I mean, th- there are some uh, parts of it that um, you could argue are almost short stories as opposed yeah. to poems, um, which yeah. I think works quite well. I mean, it's debatable. They're they're prose poems. Well, I that's guess, what I was going to say. It, it, they the are better short- way of putting it. Sorry. But, Sorry, that's all right. I'm just so excited because I agree. And I think they are short stories, but they're, poet- they're poetic. Yeah, they how are. How they're written, like every sentence you can see is really well thought about. She hasn't just thrown something in there. You know, it's really calculated and oh, I think she's brilliant. Yeah, and, and visually it's a very interesting book and quite um, fun to read as well because she, she definitely mixes up her style yes. of typography and the like. Um, uh, the, t- I have to admit to a, a small part of me was slightly off put by the fact that uh, every poem you read was um, put together differently. Mm. Um, I, I, I like it, and I think some of the, the uh, topography works really well together, but it did. I found it a little bit jarring on occasion. Um, but generally speaking, I think it's, 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 a, it's a book of poetry that really takes you on a journey, um, which I think is really, really interesting. And she's very forthright about um, you know the experiences she's had That's and such the an things understatement <laughs> the things she's yeah. trying to describe as well uh, it's a very um, honest and uh, um, pure is not the word I'm looking for but uh, you know really uh, almost brutal to, to some extent yeah visceral mm. visceral is a really good word Definitely. I think for it um, so yeah I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that uh, next week when I finish it but um, from what I've seen so far yeah it's w- well deserved winner of the prize of the Stella Prize you know what you were saying about it being jarring I I remember I read one and then I turned the page and you know the one and it's all in capitals yes, all in I uppercase yep. I actually sort of started yeah. <laughs> and went oh that's quite a lot um, and I actually like that they're all different because it feels like a journey and yep. it, it doesn't flow but they do flow because they've all got very similar themes of colonisation and yep, um, you know uh, connecting to her um, she's Wiradjuri was it I think uh, I think so. well, connecting to her roots um, and then you know the, the complications of that and calling out you know white uh, Caucasian culture and, and just saying you know this is this is what you've done to this culture of ours and I, I think it's amazing and I mean some of them are you know like a waterfall on the page and the words are all spaced out and others are you know stanzas others are rhyming like yeah. I think I think it's probably one of the best books, books of poetry I've read I haven't yeah. finished it but I I was on the train reading it actually and I had to put 
ev- between each one, I put my book down and just sort of looked out the window and mm-hmm. thought, you know, and, and wanted to really um, <laughs> marinate in it. I need to have a better word than that, but you know, when you read something that challenges you and yeah. you just feel her anger, but in a really good way, you know, she has every right to be angry. Um, and I really liked that. And then there were some of them were funny. Did you have you read the one? I think it was in the first part. Oh no, it would be because we've read the same about yep. the one with um, talking about the snuggle pot and cuddle pie. Yep. And yep. I love that one. I thought it was <laughs> it's, so it's funny a weird and clever. One, but it's funny, yeah. It She's b- so I looked her up. She works at I think. Is it the University of Sydney, I think, in Indigenous Studies? So she's sure. she's in Sydney. Um, she's she's descended from the Bundjalung Nation. You're right. Really. Sorry. I um, Why did I think? That's all right. Because she was problem. trying to learn the language. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I think I'm getting confused. But she, yeah, I d- I'm just so impressed. I, and I would, I, I saw that she edits a magazine, um, you know, but I would definitely read what she's written. I think she's got such a powerful voice. Yep. And I want to <laughs> hear more of what she has to say. Um, for those... Uh, listening zach just head butted <laughs> face butted the microphone it's a real shame you couldn't see say. that <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> um yeah so drop bear by evelyn Araluen, is it yeah it is um i've also have just made a start on a book that i definitely want to talk about very soon and that is uh, on a completely different uh <laughs> you know, a completely different topic and different genre altogether it's a non-fiction book called a brief history of equality by the french uh, economist thomas piketty, piketty. And um, Thomas Piketty, uh, he, he's a French economist and he writes in French, so this is a translated version. Um, he became famous uh, a few years ago for uh, his book called Capital, um, which is uh, I, I still need to get a copy of because I'm keen to read it, but it's, apparently, it's quite large and I think fairly dense in terms of economic theory. This book, A Brief History of Equality, has been specifically designed to be uh, a bit more accessible for people who don't have a background in um, economics. Um, and he's essentially telling the tale of equality, human equality, of human economic equality throughout history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I've seen so far, I think, I think I'm really going to enjoy this book. Uh, and also he's telling the story that equality, whether it may not feel like it, but equality has actually improved throughout history to the point where we are now. We are, economically speaking, a much more equal... Um, humanity is much more equal from an economic point of view than it pretty much has ever been, which Hang it certainly on. doesn't feel like that at times. That's but what I was going to say. Humanity is in Western humanity or all as humanity? As in the, the humanity in general, as in the planet. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, and look, it's different in each country, but um, as a general, he's using statistics and um, history and, and economics to show that... Um, believe it or not, we actually are getting into a um, a, into a more equal status. Uh, mm. But there, but from what I've seen already, and I'm only really just started the book, um, I think he's very keen to point out that there's still a lot more to do as of well. Of course, yeah. But um, yeah, really looking forward to finishing that one. And and that one, I remember I've got the chapters here because I remember you telling me w- when you got it, and I opened it up, and yep. it's the the first chapter is the movement towards equality, the first milestones. Um, the heritage of slavery and colonialism, um, democracy, socialism, and progressive taxation. Like, it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Revolution, status, and class. Yeah. Um, so... And it, it has graphs as well, economic graphs, which I'm excited about. So I'm don't join, I don't <laughs> join you there. But about <laughs> statistics, did you know that 37% of statistics are made up? That sounds like a made-up statistic <laughs> to me. <laughs> but, so nice I'm, I'm very, very much not economically minded. I, I think I told you I did a macroeconomics paper at uni and it was a multi-choice exam and I only just passed. It was very difficult. HD, I got, so... <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, 
but would I would I and anyone else who's not economically minded because that's the thing. I mm. mean, you you you've studied it. Econo- some economics, and mm. so you, you know that's sort of how your mind is focused. This, this is this is this book is written though for people who haven't studied economics. Um, I think some of his earlier books are definitely more academic, and mm. for people who have a real interest in in that field, um, this book he, uh, he's deliberately and it's written in the in the forward as well that he's deliberately written it in order to make it um, more accessible to people, oh, that's uh, and good. that's one of the reasons why it's a brief history of equality too, because I'm sure he could write <laughs> a one you know a, a four hundred thousand word thesis if he wanted to on on the issue, um, but and it is a fairly slim uh, copy as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I think you'll still need to concentrate. It's not a book yeah. that you can just... It's not a flick through. You can't sit in front yeah. of the TV and read it. You actually need to sit down and, and think a bit about it. So you might want to go through one chapter and then digest what you've just read. Um, I just can't wait for you to get to chapter eight, real equality against discrimination. Yeah. Like, what is that? What does yeah. that mean, real equality? Because yeah. I'm still on the fact that he thinks... What did you say before? That, that the overall, overall money economic equality uh, among humans is improving over I history. I just find that... Especially looking at COVID and, you know, the job seeker and everything like that. But, I mean, you, but you also need to take a wider view of history, though, not just the last five years. I mean, yeah, he's talking about, at, at the very least, two or 300 years that he's going back. And if you think about the Industrial Revolution and people um, owning factories and making all the money and the, the, have children working for them seven days a week for basically nothing. Yeah. Um, and peasants in the far uh, out in the countryside who are effectively serfs, mm. and the existence of slavery and things like that. Um, whereas, I suppose. you know, not is, it is not in any way saying that things are perfect and we live in some sort of utopia. But I think he's making the point that progress has actually been made, but it still needs to continue to be made. But again, then you think about countries that are, you know, you see slums. Yeah. next to really fancy houses and there's just such a stark difference yeah. but, between but the two. every country in the world used to have that and now that's not... the Most uh, rich world nations don't have that kind of right, setup Because they're hidden away now, they're not next to well, each other. no, but they're not... not <laughs> Sorry, I'm so cynical. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, look, I, I, it's... Uh, it, it's uh, that's why I want to I trust the... Um, the data that comes through from this book and have a look and see yeah. what, what position he presents. Sorry, um, I don't mean to challenge you. I no, just no, I find please, that really interesting. And I know you've just started, so you yeah. can maybe you can check back in and, and you know update because I, I do think that sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he's sure. so well known, isn't he? He's very um, well. He's well known in the for people who are interested in um, issues of equality, economic mm. equality. I think. Yeah, mm. I don't know if uh, he's that well known outside of that, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a while since I've, I've read a, uh, a book um, on a subject like this. So I'm quite and it has graphs in it. It does. So, yeah. I mean, tick. Yeah. Oh, they're good looking Are you making too. a spreadsheet with all the good points in it? <laughs> no, but I, I think I might do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should. You're such a nerd. I love it. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Paperback Writer. I'm Catherine. And I'm Zach. Was that the smooth sound? Yeah, that was. <laughs> I don't know Very what that smooth. Was. I apologise uh, to the people listening. Uh, this is Radio Blue Mountains, eighty nine point one FM, and we love being part of um, you know this radio station. It's so much fun. It's amazing, Blue Mountains community in general, but good, yeah, the radio station in particular. A group of oh, it's all volunteer run as well. Um, no one gets paid to be here. You can probably tell by the quality of our uh, show that we don't get paid to do it, because um, I'm not <laughs> sure we would have a show if we were being paid to do it. <laughs> um, we'd have to put a lot more effort in anyway. 
Um, but yeah, it's an amazing bunch of people. And keep an eye out for the, uh, I think it's monthly barbecues at the Bunnings in Katoomba. Yeah. Um, to help raise money for Radio Blue Mountains and the opportunity to come and um, meet some of the presenters. Grab a snag. That's meet what you call them, isn't some it? of the presenters. Oh, I like Thank that. Thank you. There we go. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Um, you keep, don't go snag a selfie. You keep going on on yon about it. Oh, I was trying to do on and on as onion. That didn't work at all. That was that was a particularly <laughs> bad one. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, no, definitely go and and just go along and meet some people as well. I mean, usually we're running. Well, we're always running our shop on Sundays, unfortunately. <laughs> so we haven't been able to go, but we support from one day. afar. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, now we're up to our next uh, section, which is our theme for today: unputdownable books. Unputdownable. It sounded like you said unputdownable books. Well, that could be another subject. Yeah, that's true. As in I they're terrible or as in you need to have breaks? Well, you had a chat about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Books that we hate that everyone else loves. Oh, I could have kept downable. going. I could have kept going. We will do, you know? do another one of those shows. I realised I, I didn't talk about Wuthering Heights. Oh, no. Ugh. Oh, dear. Ugh. <laughs> Don't get it. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other show. Yes, it is. Unputdownable books. Unput. It's the ones. That what you does that mean, Catherine? Well, and it's funny. I was thinking about that because it could mean a few things, couldn't it? it could. I suppose. And I, I suppose. I mean, I don't think it could, but apparently some. Well, what do, do you think it means then? Well, I mean, to me, an unputdownable book is clearly a book that you just love reading so much that you don't want to stop. So you, it might be a book that you finish in one reading session. It might. It might not be something that you can do in one reading session, but it's a book that. Uh, from the very first page you're hooked until the last page and you just want to keep reading Um, and it doesn't have to be necessarily about writing style or the plot or character development but it's just a total package something that just makes you not want to put the book down and then when you do put the book down basically all you can think about when you're not reading it is the book See, but that's not an unputdownable book for me because say for example TJ um, Clune, The House in the Cerulean Sea I felt Exactly that way. Well, no, it took me a chapter or two to get into it, but when I was into it, all I wanted to do was read it. Yep. But because of that, I really wanted to savour it. And so I'd sort of reward myself and I'd have like a chapter or two every night and I'd just go into this beautiful world. Uh, so I, I, I could have read it in one sitting, but I deliberately didn't because I wanted to savour it. So largely unputdownable books. Well, I mean, you know, o- obviously uh, we're, I'm not taking it literally saying that you you physically cannot put the book down well no but it also could be say for example uh, a crime book or a thriller book where you're like oh my gosh i need to know what's going to happen i don't read a lot of those um but you know those can definitely be unput downable um yeah I, i i actually have quite a few here and i guess it depends on how you would um define it for example grug i read for the first time the other week read it in <laughs> one go the children's book grug yeah the board book he comes yeah. from a tree he's uh, got a lot going on i mean i never got closure because he built a letterbox and then it ended i mean did he get any letters but i, I was unputdownable i read it in one go and what's <laughs> <laughs> grug's cute though i'd never grug seen it before yeah. it's I, maybe it's in new zealand but i'd never seen it i really like it yeah it's, it's a very so well, it's a very australian yeah, book, well, because yeah. he's from an, a native tree, and I can't remember yes. which one. No, I can't remember the name um, of it Because either. I sent the book to my niece, because yeah. I, I thought everyone needs a bit more grug in their life. Yeah, plus just the name grug. I know. It's got a great ring to it. Can't, can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I've got a few. Yeah, yeah let's... let's um, well, I'm in, intrigued by your definition of unputdownable now, so, yeah, let me <laughs> let me hear what you... <laughs> What you uh, consider to be unputdownable books? Well, when when we talked about which topic, um, the, the definitely the first one that came to mind was Pachinko, uh, which I'm sure you heard me speaking about because that was one that I actually think I read in a day or something. Yeah. Um, I'm, it, it's by I'm trying to find who it's by because I know it's 
I can't remember the middle name, but uh, it's it's set in Korea. Mm-hmm. This book came out, actually, do you know when it came out? I think it's been a few years now, three or four years, yeah. maybe a little bit longer. It's been out a while and it was very yeah. popular at the time. But yeah. So it's by Lee Min Jin and Min Jin has a hyphen, hyphen between it. Mm. Um, and it's set in, um, well, it sort of follows uh, generations of people and it's about Korean people and um, they live in Japan and they're treated absolutely terribly. Um, and so pachinko, I didn't know what it was. Do you know what a pachinko is? I pachinko do. Machine. It's one of those uh, sort of like a combination between a poker machine and a um, a game sort of machine it's kind of thing with like the little the nails, and you flick the ball up the and it hits balls, the yeah, nails, yeah. and it can it, which way can it go? Yeah. And it's popular apparently, according to <laughs> Wikipedia, uh, you know, with um, with the Korean community, but it's also seen as a really dirty sort of gambling. Uh, but that's the thing, you can win and lose money. You can, but machine. but even so, the, the, just the, the thing of playing pachinko is is seen as really negative and, and sort of a, it's got a lot of... Um, negative connotations. Connotations, yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, so you, you follow, uh, in the early 1900s, you follow Sunja um, and she, follow, she falls for a wealthy stranger when she's in Korea and... Um, he, he promises the world to her and, you know, everything's going to be great and we'll be together. Um, but then she finds out that um, she's pregnant and that he's married and she oh doesn't want to be bought. I know. So she that old chestnut. Yeah, I know. Um, so she accepts an offer of marriage from an old minister, like a church minister, um, and he marries her just to sort of help look after the baby. Like, th- it's not a love marriage or anything like that. Sure. Um, but he's going to J- Japan and so she, she goes to Japan with him and you sort of see um, from from this family, uh, you follow the generations of, you know, of the minister and of Sunja and of the family and you follow it. And it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to put my finger on exactly what it is. I think the stories are so interesting. And it's not, I don't, I don't know if she would call it historical fiction, but, you know, she, she did a lot of research about mm. what it was like. And I didn't know the extent that the Korean people were treated so terribly by the Japanese. Yeah. Uh, absolutely shocking. In the 30s and 40s yeah. in particular, yeah. A- and, and it was almost not human, yep. uh, the way they were treated. And I, I, I didn't know a lot about that, and I found that really interesting. Mm. And so it looks at, you know, what it, what it's like in, the, the you know, the universities um, in Japan, the pachinko parlors, the criminal underworld, um, these, these sassy, stubborn women. Mm. Um, often they don't have a lot of money and they're trying to survive, and there's, you know, there's these cultural clashes and you know living in another country is hard enough anyway and it, it's it's so touching and it's so um beautifully written is, uh, is that why it's unputdownable do you think what's the reason for that i think because it's it's not a really complicated story even yep. though there's a lot of characters you're not going oh wait which one was that yep. you know i think telling us st- it was just captivating yep. the okay. way it was written was just absolutely captivating and I, I will be honest I think it probably could have ended a bit sooner because I found myself towards the end going uh, okay mm. um, because I was definitely more enthralled with the first maybe three quarters of the book sure. um, but you know even though there was so much discrimination and so many hardships they it, it just sort of showed their strength and struggles and often you you read books like that and it's just miserable but because they have this strength and this sort of tenacity mm. uh, t- to keep on and support each other as a family. And even though there are a lot of different char- characters, they're really, um, I guess, fully realised. They're, they're she's put a lot of thought into the characters and they're all very individual. And she's also dealing with a lot of different, um, I guess, 
different themes about you know immigration and racism and classism uh poverty Intersectional, well yeah definitely yeah. um and, and thinking about belonging and who you are and yeah. I, I, it's so, so, so it good ha- it has a really good plot it's easy to read it's really well written there's great character development um, you're learning about things you didn't know about otherwise. You're peering into other cultures. And that sounds like a pretty good yeah, definition of unbookdownable. Yeah. You know, some books, for example, like I know Eleanor Catton won The Luminaries. Yep. I, I, I finished it, but I really had to push. And I think if that had been edited a bit more, it could have been a real... <laughs> It is a good book. I, I don't want to criticise. And look, yeah, I haven't sure. written a book. So to be very clear, Eleanor Catton it, it beats me times yeah. 100. But I did find myself struggling uh, with the extra characters that came into play. It felt a bit like Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so someone yeah. dies and a new one comes in. And, um, you know, you kind of are like, okay, I'm ready for this to end now. Yeah. Whereas this, I, I, I almost wish she hadn't gone so quickly. And we did hear more um, at the beginning, you know, they're in this little hostel and, um, you know, what that's like living there and, I don't know. She just captured it, and, and you you felt like you were part of this world. And cool. Yeah. I You've done a really good job of selling the book to me. Have after I? Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do need to read Pachinko. I've I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, and it really it got me. You know, I walked away and I thought, gosh, I really don't know a lot about uh, Japanese history at that time, mm. other than you know wars and things like that. And so I actually went and and wanted to find out more, which I really like when a book can do that and an author can do that. It yeah, gets you absolutely. interested about the topic. Um, and. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't even know what Pachinko was. I just, you know, I'd heard good things. A friend said, I read this in a day. You've got to read it. And I said, okay. Yep. And I agreed. Yeah, okay. And I haven't met anyone who hasn't liked it. Yeah. Um, although I don't it's, I don't know if it's as well known as it should be. I think it absolutely should be. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that definitely fits the bill of unputdownable on both our definitions, yeah. I suspect. So. Well, there wasn't a lot of suspense and drama. I mean, well, there was drama. Um, but it was more... The plot moved fast enough that, yep. that kept your interest, I suppose, as well. Yeah, cool. That's really good. Um, anything else? Any other unputdownable books you'd like to talk about? Well, I've got... <laughs> again, it depends. Because, you know, I don't read a lot of crime and thriller. I remember I read, I've read i read one Lee Child book, and it was... I bought it to the airport with me, and I had eight hours to sit in an airport, and this was before Wi-Fi was available. You don't strike me as a Lee Child reader, I must Well, admit. I had no money. Give it a go. And I had this one book and there was no Wi-Fi <laughs> and I, ha- I really hated it. I was not enjoying it at all, but yep. there was nothing else to do. Yep. You know, this would have been 12, 13, 14 years ago, you yep, know. Yeah, sure. And it was so boring. And people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't have chosen that. That wasn't a good one because I thought, oh, that'll be perfect for an airport, yep. you know. So, uh, I mean, and that, that kind of leads to uh, Jane Harper, The Dry. I think oh, that was yep. quite unputdownable for me because I don't read crime books very yep. often. Um, so Jane Harper's an Australian author who writes you know, crime thrillers, mm. sort of often small town yep. who done it. Um, and I think part of the reason I love that is because I had no idea. <laughs> I'm one of those people, even Gone Girl, everyone guessed what was going to happen except <laughs> me. And yeah. I was like, how did you know? <laughs> oh my God, what a twist. Yeah. Um, so for, for the dry, I just had no idea. And I was hooked because, I mean, there's red herrings throughout it and you, you think, oh, it's, you know, there's little clues and you think, oh, it's definitely them. And then you find out that it wasn't them. And I find, I've read a few of her books actually and I really like them despite, as I said, not being a huge crime and thriller reader yeah sure um the dry was like that because uh and i think she the way she describes small town australia was really um was really beautiful and i i read it years ago but that you know i think there was a drought um so that's what's called the dry it's Mm. this this town and they're really struggling and it's a small town um i think in the outback i I feel like i'm getting confused with another couple of her books now um 
Yeah, and the who done it, no clue. Yep. Had no idea. And I just wanted someone else to read it so that I could talk about it and be like, did you see it mm. coming? Um, so, yeah, I, I think Jane Harper would be one for me. Yeah, cool. Um, I've forgotten what a drought looks like over the last 12 months or so with all the rain we've had. Yeah, I know. Yeah, wow. It's a bit, it's a bit crazy, isn't yeah. it? With all the, and then the fire and the floods. And yeah. The anyway. Um, and another one I thought uh, was seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Yep. Um, which I was sort of a crime. At well, why was that unputdownable, though? I don't know. It's on the verge of unputdownable for <laughs> me. I think because, one, it was a book that I, I wouldn't probably usually read uh, in that it, it's sort of a... The author, um, Stuart Turton, he describes the book as time travel, body hopping, murder mystery novel. Yep. <laughs> uh, David David Mitchell meets Agatha Christie, and it's really clever. So, so the 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 premises of the book is that um, the premise of the book, the premises of the book, <laughs> where does it live? Um, <laughs> it's so weird. There's a um, they're all there's a whole bunch of party guests in um, in a big house together, and and the you premises in the premises yep. exactly, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Evelyn Hardcastle will die every day until uh, the person who it's the point of view that we're reading from can identify her killer and break the cycle. Oh, I see. So at the end, he wakes up in someone else's body and he's still himself, like, you know, his own person thinking This is the narrator. The narrator, yeah. yeah. Well, the the perspective we're reading from. Uh, And he wakes up in someone else's body and he doesn't know what's going on, obviously, and is very confused. Mm. Uh, as you would be. As you would be. Mm. And and along the way, he finds out, you know, this is what you need to do. You're sort of stuck in this sort of, I guess, Groundhog Day time mm. loop uh, where you have to find out who her killer is or this is going to keep going. You need to identify the killer. Um, and he's just confused and runs away. And then the person whose body he's in dies. Then he wakes up the next day in another body. Oh, wow. And he realises there's a certain amount of bodies that he'll wake up in. And this is... He realises this, this slowly. Um, and then... <coughs> Each of them have different relationships with people in the house. Each of them know different things and each of them sort of have clues. So he has to use these different bodies to his advantage to find out who the killer is. Um, Does that mean he only has a limited amount of time? Yeah, because he has out? a limited... Gotcha. But he, he stays... When the body... When the person dies, and like the first person, I don't know if they were supposed to die, but he got confused and ran away and I think he gets hit by a carriage or something. Right. Um, when they die, that's it. That's that body done and he's on yeah, to the sure. next one. If they fall asleep... He goes into the next body, but then when the person wakes up, he can go back. So it's quite interesting, and you jump back and forth, but in a good way. I think okay. he does it well. Um, and it, it, it's sort of, uh, he finds out along the way, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but that someone else is doing it too. Mm. Uh, and so he has to beat them, and you sort of don't really know what's going on or why, or, uh, you know, some of the guests are incredibly unhelpful. And because <laughs> he's in their body, and he, in their mind, he, l- he knows who they are, yeah. and some of them are just awful people, you yeah. know. Um, and so that was a p- unputdownable book just because you had no idea what was going to happen. It was really um, – each time you, you thought you knew what was going on, there'd be another – I mean, not quite a twist, but another angle or position that the author would – you know, the, a, a road the author would go down and you'd find yourself, you know, back to the beginning again. Okay. Um, it's really clever. I a- think is it's – And that is that one of the reasons why you find it unputdownable because you, you never quite know what's happening yeah. or what's – how it's going to end. Definitely. Okay. And the twists and turns, you, you, you really have no idea um, what's going to happen. And I really like that about yeah. it. Um, and it was really different. I mean, again, I don't read, you know, a lot of uh, murder mysteries, but I, I haven't 
I certainly haven't read anything like this, you know, waking up in a body. And I think the idea that you're yourself in someone else's body, but of course, say for example, he gets to the fifth body, he has all the memories and knowledge of himself and all the bodies he's been in previously. So he's, you've sort of growing in knowledge and, and and then he learns, okay, because it's the same day, he wakes up in the same day and he lives the same day again and then Evelyn gets murdered. Uh, and then it starts again. And so okay. he goes, okay, well, I know this person's in you know, the library at this time, so I have to go to the library to eavesdrop on this conversation, mm. for example. Yep. Um, and it's one of those ones where you feel clever. It's like advanced Cluedo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> with a candlestick. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those ones where you feel clever because you're reading it, yeah. and you think, oh, I totally saw that coming, <laughs> and, then you, and then something else happens, and you're like, okay, I was way off. And yeah, I think it's really engaging for the reader because – he, he puts in enough tidbits that make you feel clever and you know what's going on, but then also enough t- twists and turns and that you just never really can predict it. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so that would be... I think mine. I think that would classify as unputdownable by the yeah. sounds of it, yeah. I do have one more, but I'm aware that you haven't said any. That's all right. We'll, we'll, um, we'll talk about yours. We'll play some music and then we'll come back and talk right. about mine. But So what, what's your last unputdownable book? I th- I'm going to say Ghost Wall. Um, Ghost Wall. Ghost Wall. It's a. I think it's technically a novella. What 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 makes it a novella? How short does it have to be? Oh, pretty short. Oh, cool. Okay, <laughs> then it's a novella. <laughs> uh, so it's by Sarah Moss, and this um, this came out a few years ago, and I, I read it in one sitting, mm. partly because it's short, but partly because it was such an interesting plot. So basically, it's it's from the perspective of this young girl Sylvie, um, and her dad is obsessed with ancient Britons. Um, to okay. the point that they sort of live that way. And he's very like, she's a woman and his wife's a w- woman. <laughs> uh, and so they are very they have to be subservient and they have roles. And then her brother uh, and him have different different roles because, um, because they're men and, and yep. you know, they're living. Basically, he wants, the father's obsessed with the Iron Age and wants to live in the Iron Age. And he's approached That's by... That's insane. Just wait. <laughs> so he's approached by a local university, an anthropology course, and they want to reenact life in, in the, the Iron, Iron Age. Age. Okay, and yep. so they come across him and he's like, yes, I'm so keen. <laughs> and he brings the whole family with him and because he's obsessed, this man. And he's a little bit mad, in my opinion. Uh, and so these uni students come and they, they want to live, and, you know, they forage roots and they hunt rabbit and, you know, they all... Uh, the students are fulfilling their coursework, um, whereas the dad is just obsessed. He's like, no, it has to be like this. It has He's to be really like this. really living it. Um, yeah. But to the point that it, 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 it's the, this obsession becomes dangerous because of the rituals and because of the beliefs and, like, the sacrifices to the bog. And oh, dear. Exactly. I won't <laughs> say more than yeah, that. You can see where this is going. But it's really interesting because Sylvie's only ever lived with her family. Like, he doesn't let them talk to people in the outside world because he, he wants to be obsessed because he's obsessed with this way of living. So she meets these uni students who are sort of not really taking it seriously and, you know, one of them sneaks a joint in and things Mm. like that. And she's realising that the the, the world is very different uh, to to what she's known. Yeah, sure. Um, And so it's really interesting because it's sort of mythic and um, primitive, but also you have this, you know, even the, the university lecturer sort of tells the dad to calm down a little bit and that he's <laughs> taking it too seriously. Yep. But he's he's almost frenzied and obsessed um, to the point that, you know, it, it actually becomes quite harmful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I I just thought it was such an, such an interesting um, topic because not only, you know, it's about the obsession of this, you know, living as you're in the Iron Age and these ancient, ancient uh, Britons, experiment, ex- experimental archaeology. Yeah. But... 
the tension really builds and there's this family dysfunction like the dad's just a jerk um and and the way he treats you know the woman in the family in everyone in the family basically yep. Yep. uh and you know sylvie trying to make sense of this and um the the, the, the roles of gender and race and mm. culture and yeah I, I, it was one of the best books i read that year i read it a few years ago um and as i said yeah i i read it in one go and i just it was enthralling. Yeah, that definitely sounds unputdownable. Um, I wonder where people come up with these ideas. That's it's what I was thinking about Piranesi. Yeah. Like, how would yeah, you come yeah. up with that? It's so Piranesi odd. Piranesi in particular, by the sounds <laughs> of it, yeah. Um, and what a cool idea, you know, that that this experimental, yeah. you know, we're going to live like this. You know, what's that show with Annabelle Crabb? Um, Guess who's uh, coming to dinner? Yeah, the, or something where they go through each decade. Yeah, and and living of like what that. it's like to be in the house, and, yeah. and you know, they actually have to live like them, yeah. and. Um, you know, the poor wife is hand doing laundry by hand yeah. with an old scrubbing board, and you yeah. know is no yeah. microwave. I mean, to oh, <laughs> cook no the old-fashioned way. The kids without their iPhones. They tried to get the daughter <laughs> to um, garter chicken, and she just started crying or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was really good. So yeah, Ghost Wall by Sarah. I've already forgotten the name. Moss. Moss. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so those are those are mine. I think those are the ones that came to mind. Yep. And of course, the dispossessed. I was unput down a ball. Oh. Ursula Le Guin. Can't but go I two won't. hours without talking about Ursula. Hey, that Le Guin. was a little side mention. <laughs> that was, was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paperback writer. Welcome back to Paperback Writer on Radio Blue Mountains, eighty-nine point one FM. I'm Catherine, and I'm Zach. Uh, you were just listening to Coffee and TV by Blur. Love that song. Great Britpop band. Yep. Eight days a week. Let's dedicate that one to Ron. Big Beatles fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hello, Ron, if you're listening in. <laughs> that one was for you. Uh, and then Dumb Blonde by Dolly Parton. You know what? I'm so glad that, you know, last week we talked about, pro- you know, problematic yep. authors. Uh, authors. Books. Yep. If, if Dolly was problematic, I actually don't know what I would do. Yeah, yeah. She's just... She's the antithesis of problematic. She is... And she ain't nobody's fool as well. Yeah, so exactly. And neither of us are blonde, but we still thought we'd play that That's song. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Shout out oh, to Dolly. I love you, Dolly. Yeah, she's so mm-hmm. amazing. Well, I've just talked about all the books that I thought were unput downable. Well, actually, no, I thought of another one while we're on the break, but and I'll let you go that's first. That's the end of the show for today. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear about yours. What okay. are your unput downable books? I'll, I won't take too long, but there's a few books that I've read over the last, probably over the last 10 years, I'd say, that I would consider to be unput downable. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about, and it's slightly controversial because I know a few people would disagree with me on this, but. Um, I have chosen Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari, uh, who I believe is an Israeli writer, and he's written quite a few books. Mm. Um, He actually wrote a book after this um, called Homo Deus, which I wasn't such a big fan of, but Sapiens itself. um, So essentially, I mean, it's... um, the the subtitle pretty much describes what the book's about. It's A Brief History of Humankind. He goes back pretty much... I mean, it goes back quite a way, but pretty much around 10,000 years or so when um, humans really discovered agriculture um, and pretty much where things really started to change for Homo sapiens. And he talks about where humans have come from pretty much up to the, the present point. Um, the, uh, he talks about things like how, to, how did our species succeed in the battle for dominance? Why did our foraging ancestors come together to create cities and kingdoms? How did we come to believe in God's nations and human rights? And what will our world be like in the millennia to come? It's both wide-ranging and provocative. Sapiens challenges everything we thought we knew about being human. Our thoughts, our actions, our power, and our future. 
Um, and uh, one of the interesting things, actually, he does go back a little bit further too, um, if I remember correctly, talking about uh, when there were six different species of humans, mm. so not just Homo sapiens, um, but oh, Neanderthals, for, Neanderthals yeah. for example, or Neanderthals, have you pronounced them? D- yeah, how do Denisovans you pronounce it? I'm and, never sure. Um, I don't know, but I th- you, you, you get the, the picture. Um, and just even just that concept straight away was something I hadn't really thought about that much, that uh, it really wasn't that long ago uh, on a global timescale or a universal timescale even um, that we weren't the only humans on the planet, that we mm. actually had other humans that we shared the planet with. Um, other species of humans and I think it's only something like 40,000 years ago that the the last species of other humans um, died out uh, for various reasons um, which is kind of crazy to think about and the fact that our DNA still uh, we still share DNA with some of those um, other species as well I think most people uh, certainly um, from a European background have something like two or three percent Neanderthal DNA but you can test for that yeah, yeah, you can. So it's if I go to Ancestry.com. Yeah, absolutely. It'll really? show, it can show you. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Ancestry.com one does. Well, no, it, I know. Just for an example, though. But yeah, you can get a DNA test and it'll show you how much percentage you are Neanderthal or um, Denisovan or, or, or whatever the case may be. So you can still see that, that Homo sapiens did um, breed with other species and that is still part of who we are today. It's funny, isn't it? Because you think, what do you say, Neanderthals or Neanderthals? Uh, it depends on whether I want to sound smart or not. So Neanderthals, if I want to sound smart, right. and Neanderthals, if I'm just having a general conversation. Well, I'm going to say Neanderthals. You, there's a sort of idea that they're like, you know, stupid cave people, you know, that hold clubs and aren't very smart. And, yeah. you know, that sort of, you know, the, I think of the far side gallery, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's, there's that idea, but it's, it's not the case at all. It's just a different species of human. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot mm. of, there's a lot of, I mean, there's still a lot of evidence out there to be found, uh, and it's very hard to know exactly how other species communicated and what their lives were like because there's not really much um, of a record left. But I think I think uh, modern thinking is that um, Neanderthals in particular were uh, a much more uh, modern uh, type of human than, than we imagined. But um, what... Sorry. That's all right. What, what makes them different? Like, how many did you say? Uh, species? Six. Uh, there were at least six that we know of. So what's 100, the, years the differences? Ago. Like skull shape, or, or like what? Well, what's I, the difference? I I can't remember exactly uh, how you define a difference mm. in species. And I think there's, um, I don't think that's a clear cut yeah. uh, answer to that either. But yes, I mean there's there's um, anatomical features that are slightly different. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Neanderthals, if my, I'm not mistaken, had actually I think they had l- larger brains than Homo sapiens. Um, and a more prominent brow and that kind of thing. And um, I think the Neanderthals were were larger, weren't they? No. As opposed to the Endosaurus. They were stockier. Ah, <laughs> I Neanderthals. See, nice see what I did there? Neander shorts, I think that would yeah, have made Neander more shorts. sense. Yeah, Neander shorts. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Kath. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not just talking about prehistory like that. It's also talking about the last 10,000 years, the last 2,000 years, the last 100 years or so. Um, and it's just a very it was unputdownable to me because it was very eye-opening and it, it really made me think and it was a, a book that I read quite uh, quite quickly as well because I just wanted to absorb all the information that was coming really? at me and it's a book that I've thought about many many times in the past and one of the things that really uh, stood out to me as well um, was the really thinking about the idea that we as humans as homo sapiens are animals we're descended from animals but we still don't 
that these days we don't really tend to see ourselves as being animals. We're above animals. We're a completely different mm. category um, from animals. Um, but really, it do, you don't have to go that far back at all to see that we we are just a different species of animal on the planet. And yes, we are more advanced in a lot of ways. And we've come to the point where we have dominated the planet for for good and for bad. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's and it's also interesting when he talks a bit about uh, whether humans discovering agriculture, um, whether people living 10,000 years ago, um, whether that was a good thing or not for them mm. to, to go from a hunter-gatherer style of, of life to now being um, sedentary and staying in the one place and how in some ways there was benefits to doing that because you, you could have a more reliable source of food and you were growing it yourself and you um, could have a degree of security by being in the one place, but then you your diet became far less varied as mm. well because you weren't just eating things that you found when you were out hunting and gathering and you kind of, yeah, um, humans also almost became trapped to a certain extent. And then mm. that's when cities, towns and cities started being build, built. And um, we know, uh, especially in the last few hundred years in particular, those uh, towns and cities have just been magnets for people and they've just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And talking about whether this is actually a good thing for humans or not um, compared to the way we used to live. Um, and I don't think he really – it's not a, a very judgy book. He doesn't necessarily say this is right and this is wrong. He just discusses, uh, you know, pros and cons of, of a yeah, bunch right. of things that we just take for granted as humans, I think. Is it quite textbooky? Um, not really. I think it's fairly approachable. Mm. Uh, it, again, it is a book that you need uh, – I think there's a theme here with the books I read. You do need to – Does it have graphs? You do. Uh, <laughs> I think it might have a couple of graphs, yeah. But yep. you do need to <laughs> – You do need to concentrate a little bit, but it's more – uh, he is quite accessible with his writing and it's just the fact that you'll get facts every now and then that will just make you go, wow, I've, that's a really interesting way of thinking about things, things that you may have taken for granted um, your whole life. Uh, and, you know, the, your example of the Neanderthals is a good one, I think. Mm. The idea that most people think of them as being brutish cave people, but um, there's a lot more to Neanderthal culture um, uh, and society that I think we uh, uh, um, used to give them credit for. So it's unputdownable just because you were just so fascinated yes. by the content. It's so engaging. Uh, and I do like his style of writing as well. It is approachable um, without in any way dumbing down mm. things. And it, um, it's just a really interesting uh, condensation of human history over the last 10,000, 100,000 years. And, that, and that's quite an achievement to be able to do that. It's, it's a long book, but if, considering it, that it covers yep. all that, really, it's not too long at all. That's right. Um, another book I wanted to talk about is uh, a novel, but it's historical fiction based on a true event, and that is HHHH. Sorry, do you mean HHHH? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean HHHH. <laughs> By uh, apologies for my French, uh, Laurent Binet. Bless you. Or La- Laurent Binet, <laughs> as an Australian might say. I love that book. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great book. And again, um, it I think it's unputdownable just because uh, well, there's a few things. One, the story is fascinating. Um, for people who don't know, it's about the assassin- assassination of a leading Nazi in Prague during World War II um, called uh, um, Heydrich. Um, and that's where one of the Heydrich H's comes from. Heydrich isn't it? No. No? Oh, no. there you go. Never um, mind then. I think it's Reinhard Heydrich. But um, I think the HHHH refers to oh, the idea H. that... It's annoying <laughs> me now. Like I can handle when you say H, H-, H- once H- with H- four H- of them in a row. Um, <laughs> It refers to uh, something along the lines of uh, Heydrich is Himmler's head or brain or something like, like that. Like he controls him kind of No, thing. no, no. But he's like, 
uh, he knows what Himmler's thinking and ah. he's kind of like, he's Himmler's second in charge. And Himmler, if you don't know, was uh, the head of the SS. Yep. So, you know, these are two very, very um, disgusting individuals mm. uh, who are responsible for some um, really disgusting events. Um, good news is he gets killed. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> so he gets assassinated. But um, it's really, un- it's unput downable because it also is uh, that style of writing where... <clears throat> we get to see the writing process as well. So it's not just telling the story of what happened because, I mean, it's historical fiction. We don't know what was going on in, inside the heads of the assassins, um, of the, the members of the Czech re, um, resistance. Mm. Um, but the author does his best to try and understand what would have been going through their head. And he also talks a bit about the process of doing that. So as he's writing the book, we do get some um, paragraphs where he's talking a bit about how he's tried to figure out what they would have been thinking and mm. what it would have been like and for he them to be in that situation. It? Yeah, he does, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting moment in history. Um, it's uh, a, a great example of uh, a really successful operation by the resistance in Europe. Um, but it's also just the story really brings you along. Even though I knew the, the background to this story and I knew, you know... I, Spoiler, I knew what was going to happen in the end. Um, the scene in particular towards the end where the resistance fighters are surrounded by the Nazis who are trying to get revenge for what happened to Heydrich mm. is just, like, it's some of the most powerful writing I've ever read. Uh, wow. It's so engaging uh, and it's, it's, it's just it's a crazy story um, in of itself. Um, but that's one of the reasons why it was unput downable, just because it's a story I already knew, but it was told so well. And also just getting inside the writer's mind um, as they were writing the book, I think was a really interesting touch. And I hadn't really read many books with that sort of, um, uh, that style of, of writing before. I'm trying to recreate what really happened, but in a way that they're talking about it quite matter-of-factly, yeah, rather than actually just writing what might have happened. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and accepting the fact that the writer can't know what was yeah. going through their heads, but having a pretty good stab at it and trying to figure out exactly what it was. I was going to say excuse the pun, but he was shot, wasn't he? He was shot. Yeah. Well, uh, no, actually, he wasn't. He was, um, he was exploded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think the, the, the gun jammed. That's right. The, one yeah, of the yeah, resistance yeah. fighters stood in front of the, the car uh, with, I think, a Sten gun or something and was about to fire, but it jammed. But there was another resistance fighter not far away who had a, a bomb and threw the bomb and it um, mortally wounded Heydrich, who, who died in hospital, mm. I think, a couple of weeks later or something like that. So sorry for giving it all away, but, I mean, this is historical fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it's unput downable for, for those reasons. Um, yeah, and cool. it's I haven't read it again since, but I do want to read it again. Um, and there's a, there was actually quite a good movie that was based on oh, really? this. I don't know if it's based on this book, but based on the assassination, the assassination yeah. um, which really helped to bring to life a lot of the elements of the book too. Mm. Um, and just the last book I'd like to talk about quickly is one I read quite a while ago. Um, it's called The Testament of Mary. Oh, Colm Tobin. Colm Tobin. Now, I have mentioned this once or twice before on the show, um, but it, it's unput downable. Uh, it's another fiction actually. Well, I don't know if... I guess you would call it historical fiction. Probably. Um, so it's based on uh, Mary's story, the mother of Jesus, uh, and talking about um, what it was like for Mary to be the mother of Jesus around the time that Jesus was doing his thing. <laughs> doing, uh, doing his thing. Yeah, in the, the 33 <laughs> years of, of his life or so. Um, <laughs> and what it was like uh, when Jesus was 
spoiler alert, crucified. Oh, I'm sick um, of you spoiling the endings <laughs> to things. This is ridiculous. But again, <laughs> it's it's actually kind of similar to HHHH in that example um, that we obviously we don't know what was going through the heads of these people, but um, Colm Tobin does a really interesting job of having a go at it. Mm. Uh, and it reminds me a little bit of The Life of Brian, the Monty Python film. <laughs> Just in the, well, he's in, a very naughty boy. Yeah, he is. He's not the Messiah. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> but, but, that, but that kind of idea that um, you know, there's, a, there's a whole myth around uh, Jesus and Mary and that kind of thing, but in reality, um, Mary at least uh, it was a human being. Um, and it kind of talks about what a human being would think of the idea that their son was being described as the Messiah and the chosen one. Um, and Mary kind of struggles a bit with that idea. Um, I don't, I don't want to say too he much. he is yeah. the chosen one. That's whatever, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't want to go into too much detail about it because uh, I highly, highly recommend that people read it. I mean, Cole Tobin is just a fantastic writer, full yeah, stop. he's so good, isn't he? It, just the way beautiful. he writes. His, language, his use of language is just incredible. Um, so I would, I would highly recommend you read any column, Toby, but yeah, this one in particular, that. it's a, it's a novella, so it's not that long to read. Um, so you can easily read it in a couple of hours. Um, and I think it's just, uh, a, a brilliant book that is a, a topic that you wouldn't necessarily, I don't know that there's many books written from Mary's perspective in terms of fiction. Mm. Um, and it's just a really interesting <laughs> Uh, again, and I think there's a theme here with HHHH and Sapiens. It's just a, a way of looking at something that has happened in the past from a completely different perspective. Mm. Uh, and to me, I'm just discovering as I'm talking that that is something that makes for an unput down. There's definitely book. a theme in the books you read. Because <laughs> you were talking about Rising 44 the other week. Too, yeah, I was. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, he's. I, I think Colm Tobin is such a fantastic writer. Um, I've read quite a few of his, and I, I think actually even Brooklyn, that yeah. could be a good topic actually, books that are made into movies, and yeah. do they do it justice? Because Brooklyn was made into a movie, and I actually thought they did okay. Like, it wasn't as good as the book, but when is it ever? Yeah. But considering, they actually did pretty, yeah, he, he did a pretty good job. I would love to see The Testament of Mary made into something yeah, I'd watch on that. TV. I don't know, I think it'd be a struggle to stretch it out to a movie length, because it's not a particularly long book, but um, that would be fascinating to see. Um, either that or watch The Life of Brian. Yeah, I mean, they're basically the same. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. They sound like really good books. Yeah. So they're, they're my, uh, that's my list of unputted down, unputted down, <laughs> unput downable books. Yeah, I mm. like it. Yeah. Actually, while you were talking about Sapiens, I found that song, The Female of the Species oh, by Space. I think yeah, we should play that now. That is now. a great song. I was, it's sort of relevant, right? Yeah, uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, I've added it to our list, so we can play that now if uh, you want. Uh, yeah, I've got it. I'm so topical. We'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll just try and find one about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus now, and the assassination of... Uh, Hydric. Hydric. Yeah. Maybe not. You're listening to 89.1 Radio Blue Mountains. Your voice, your community. Welcome back to Paperback Writer on Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM with Zach and... Catherine. Catherine. Did you, did you just make fun of me on the radio? A little bit. Um, oh. So the last two songs were... I'm being in charge of the controls. So I'm just <laughs> going to turn, turn that microphone off. How rude. Fair enough. <laughs> oh. oh, that's better. Uh, so the last two songs were Female of the Species by Space, and that's going back a little bit. Um, and then we also had, uh, what was the other? Oh, Like a Prayer by Madonna, of course. 
Because that Amazing sort of links song. to... Testament of Mary. Yeah. In a very tenuous Roundabout way. way. <laughs> Debatable. Um, but just a, a really good song as well. Very um, good song. Yeah. The Madonna and Kylie are both up there as far as I'm concerned. So they're both amazing artists. Um, and I can't get enough. And I can't get them out of my head. Oh, I see what you did there. <coughs> Kylie reference. Yep. Um, so we also just heard a little promo for Winter Magic Festival because Winter Magic is back this year. It's back, baby. Very exciting. On the weekend of the 27th and the 28th of August, um, we at Rosie Revelston Borks, Catherine and I, are very excited about Winter Magic for an extra reason this year. I mean, apart from the fact that it's just an amazing community event, um, on the Sunday at 2 p.m., the 28th of August, uh, along with Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network, um, we will be running a an anthology launch of Blue Mountains writers. <clears throat> so we've uh, recently held a competition, uh, and the competition uh, just closed, um, what was it, a couple of Monday days ago night, at midnight? Yeah. yeah. On Monday night, we received a whole bunch of entries, so poems, short stories, and um, illustrations, artwork, that kind of thing. So those three categories... Uh, um, are the, the three different competitions that we've been running. And this event for Winter Magic on the 28th of August will be uh, having a chat to the three winners, the winners of each of those categories. And we'll also be releasing the anthology, which will have the work from each of those three winners, as well as uh, the um, nine people in total who were shortlisted uh, and also some longlisted um, writers as well. So we've got a, uh, an interesting um, variety of, of work on the theme of Regenesis, uh, and that was the theme of the competition. Um, so together with Blue Mountains Arts Creative Network, we've been able to put this competition together. Um, the winners of each of those prizes will win $200 each. They'll win an opportunity to be at that event and for us to have a chat to them ask them a bit about their work and their background. Um, keeping in mind this was a competition only available to Blue Mountains residents. Um, so if you're in the Blue Mountains uh, on that weekend in particular and you're coming to Winter Magic, um, at the Blue Mountains Cultural Centre at 2 o'clock on the Sunday will be our launch. Um, it's going to be so good, isn't it? Uh, the, the, su- such talented yeah. uh, people. You know, the, I've read... You know, I've had a look through them, and I just think they're absolutely amazing. Yeah, I yeah. was really, really impressed by the quality and the originality and the creativity. Yeah, really awesome. It just highlights the incredible community we have up here in terms of uh, literary arts, in particular. I mean, the arts community in general yeah. uh, is very strong in the mountains. Maybe not as well recognised as it should be sometimes, but when it comes to literary arts and and writers, uh, we are really spoilt for for choice. Mm. Um, uh, and we haven't announced the winners yet. That will be happening tomorrow, but I can tell you the short list for each of the three categories. Uh, Should I do a drum roll? You can do a drum roll. Can you hear that? No, it just, just sounds sound really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's better. <laughs> it just sounds like a phone ringing. Yeah, a little bit. Old school phone. You're showing your age there. <laughs> um, so for the poetry component of the competition, so we have a short list of three people for each category. Um, and the three people who are on the shortlist for poetry, uh, and apologies in advance if I mispronounce anyone's name. Um, so with the, the poem titled I Am Your Country, uh, we have Jala Hallett. Um, with a poem called Definitions, we have Alexandrine Monet. And again, I really need to work on my French. I think that's a French name, and I'm doing a really bad job here. Maybe just say Leun before it. Leun. <laughs> 
Alexandrine. And then go, oh, ha, ha. Wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> it's 2022. You make fun of New Zealanders all the time. Come uh, on. Yeah, but I'm Australian. I'm allowed to do that. Oh, though. are you? That's, a, that's, not, that's not bad. No, you're a drongo. Uh, <laughs> Flame and drongo. Flame and drongo. Uh, anyway, the, and the third um, poet who's made the shortlist is Melissa Chambers for her poem, Lungs of the Land. So one of those three people will be announced tomorrow as the winner of the poetry part of the competition. Um, when it comes to short stories, uh, we've got um, another three people who are on the shortlist. So uh, Jeff Matthews with his um, work called The Ibis. We've got Chandu Bickford with Narrow Neck. And uh, we also have another piece called Jennifer by Leun Alexandrine Monet again. Um, <laughs> So that person has made the shortlist for the poetry and the short story, um, which is a pretty impressive effort. And then for the artwork component, uh, we have a piece called Hope by Mary Laws, a piece called Releasing the Ego by Helen Morgan, and uh, a piece called uh, Art E Fact Being by Melissa Chambers. And again, Melissa Chambers actually... Uh, they twice. Are, yeah, they're on the shortlist for artwork and for poetry as well. Um, share the talent, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, just to keep in mind that these, uh, the shortlist has been um, judged by three separate judges and all the judging has been done um, blind as well. So uh, each of the pieces were assigned the number, um, all the names identifying marks were taken off the, the pieces and then the three, uh, each of the three shortlisted pieces were then sent to the three judges um, they didn't communicate with each other they made their decisions independently and then we came back and um, we um, uh, I think for two of the categories at least we were there was a unanimous decision and for one of the categories we just needed a chat to to finalize who the winner would be um, but they will be announced tomorrow um, on social media it's so exciting yeah um, I think it'll be really good and uh, you'll see the uh, um, the anthology will be coming out in time for Winterfest as well. So it'll be uh, Winter Magic. So it'll be um, available for sale uh, at that event uh, and thereafter too. And we'll have it at our bookshop as well and uh, Rosie Revelston Books yeah. and, and Naughty Studios uh, in Hazelbrook. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's very exciting. And just on the theme of poetry as well, uh, it being the 17th of August, Wednesday, um, we have our Mid Mountains Poetry Night tonight. So from 6.30pm to 8.30pm down at 20 Mile Hollow in Woodford. Um, so this is an event we've had, I think, three times before. I think this is our fourth one. Uh, they're a fantastic event. They're free, um, as all of our events are. Uh, you can come along and just listen to some of the best poets in the, in the mountains. Um, you'll also get a chance to listen to some upcoming poets, some people who, probably, who may well have never read their work out in public before. Uh, and that's one of the, the really uh, one of the most exciting things about these poetry nights. It's a very very supportive environment. Really supportive. Just yeah. come along and listen. If you are inspired to get up towards the end of the evening and read something out, you're more than welcome to as well. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Twenty Mile Hello have coffee and cakes and things you can yeah, buy as well. Coffee, so tea, really and cakes nice and, and drinks. Cozy and yeah. 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 It's a great little cafe down in um, Woodford as well. So tonight, um, yeah. 6.30. And it's, it's a really good venue too because we used to have it at the bookshop but we have uh, we were running out of space for these events because <laughs> they've been very, very popular. Um, so, yeah, come along. Um, there's still a bit of space available, uh, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And also just to let you know, any money uh, that we've raised from donations for the event will be going to the Blue Mountains Refugee Support Group. 
um, which uh, as we, I think we say pretty much every episode <laughs> yeah. is a fantastic uh, organization of people committed to supporting asylum seekers and refugees in the Blue Mountains and, and Western Sydney as well. Yeah. Hmm. They've, they've got social media and a website if you want to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's usually under RBS... BMRSG.org.au. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I wasn't even close. Um, yeah, awesome. I, I'm really looking forward to tonight. Yeah. Because they're not very often as well. What is it, every three months or so? I, I yeah. just feel like... I know I always walk away really inspired and humbled. I think the, the audience is so... I don't want to say generous, but welcoming and, yeah. kind, you know, really supportive. Oh, you know, definitely. when people haven't read before and, you know, there's no... It's just a really supportive, warm place to be. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, same. I, I walk away feeling angry and jealous because <laughs> I wish I could write poetry like that. <laughs> and, angry and, and jealous. And I've, I've tried in the past to write poetry and I've just I've come to the realisation that I'm, I'm not a poet. Um, novelist, okay, that, that I, can, I can do. Poetry, it's, it's not for me. But I'm, in, I'm insanely impressed by anyone who can um, manage to string a, a, a really good poem together. Maybe just avoid Zach if you see him tonight. He's just going to yep. be angry, angry and, jealous and jealous in the corner, yep. just just seething. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, we don't have much time left, but I have to find out what's been happening on uh, Demeter. Oh, Dracula Daily. Dracula Daily. Honestly, so much has happened. Are they still on the ship? No. So oh. the ship has uh, come ashore and they found the captain dead. I've had a funeral for him, but honestly, so much has happened every day except today. I was a bit disappointed. Um, there's been at least one email uh, coming through to, to, to update us. So, oh, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> so the old guy with the weird voice, he's dead. Yep. Uh, how did that happen? Uh, we don't know, but he was found with his neck broken with a... Two puncture marks? A look of fear and horror on his face. Oh. Um, there was one that came through and it was titled, like, Someone Kicks a Dog. And we think, yay, someone kicks Dracula. Nope, just another dog. So the title was Someone Kicked a Dog and your instant response was yay. Yeah, because Dracula was a wow. dog, remember? I did not know that Dracula about Dracula was a dog, not just dogs <laughs> okay, in general. Okay, that's but then right. it it's good to clarify. Then, but then it wasn't Dracula the dog. It was a dog that, because um, they had a funeral for the, the ship's captain. Right. Uh, and this dog refused to be quiet and it wouldn't go near the, the grave site and was just growling and barking and they kicked him. So I was sad because yeah. I was like, yeah, he kicked Dracula. Um, because he's killed all of those people. Yep. I'm not, don't look at me like that. Oh, but he needs, <laughs> to, he needs to do it to survive, though. Well, he, could he has no choice. Well, doesn't he, though? He I don't know, does he? Well, I've seen True Blood. You can make some synthetic stuff. Okay, don't, I don't get the reference, <laughs> that's but fair right. enough. That's I do, and that's what's important. <laughs> anyway, so remember how Lucy kept sleepwalking? Yes. And we were, just last week, we were saying, well, this has got to lead to something. They keep sleepwalking mentioning Sleepwalking into disaster. Bum, 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 actually. Ah, so she walked, sleepwalked up, on. somehow she got out, even though the door was locked, walked up onto the cliff to, you know, that seat they're always sitting in, um, and uh, Mina realises that she's not in bed and freaks out and mm. realises, you know, looks around for her clothes and then sees her in the distance on this cliff with a dark shadow of a man standing over her. Oh, that's ominous. And so she calls out, help, you know, Lucy, Lucy I'm coming, whatever, gets there and the man's disappeared. Mm. And Lucy's still asleep. She has no idea what's happening. And this is the bit that made me laugh. Um, she, she says something along the lines of, oh, you know, it's so cold and chilly, we have to keep Lucy warm because she manages to wake her and Lucy's quite, you know, stunned and doesn't know how she got there. Yep. She says, you know, we've got to pull your coat up around your neck because you're going to catch a chill. So she takes one of her safety pins and pins her coat to her neck. And then when she gets home, she goes, oh, I must have pricked her oh. twice because there's two little pin pricks on her yep. neck. I must have done it twice. Oh, what, you know, but anyway, it won't scar. What, you know, no big deal. Yeah. 
So obviously. That's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. Yeah. But Lucy looks brilliant. Apparently she's like the healthiest she's ever been. Because you know they're always going on about, oh, and she's pale and so she's tired. You say she had a piercing complexion? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like you're being a bit of a pain in the Sorry, neck. Sorry, I punctured that joke. Pain in the neck? Yeah, no, I get yeah, it. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Dracula left because Lucy wasn't his type? Blood type? But no. Yep. Anyway, so <laughs> um, that was crazy. Oh, and also a bat keeps coming to hang around Lucy's window. Yep. Obviously. So Dracula's a bat now as Obviously. well as a dog. Yep. Um, but the most important thing, maybe, Jonathan's back. We've heard. Of, we've we, well, we haven't heard from Jonathan. Yep. He's been locked away in a sanatorium, so an insane asylum, mm-hmm. uh, more or less, uh, with quote violent brain fever. So he went there. <laughs> that sounds unfortunate. He went there talking about actually all the things that happened. So that the letter comes from, I, I guess, a nurse or a doctor or what have you from uh, this this place he's been for six weeks, yep. and says, you know, he's coming and he's raving about wolves and, um, uh, you know, all the creepy stuff he's seen in the castle. But of course, they think he's insane. Uh, so <laughs> he's got violent brain fever, but he's doing well. Um, so presumably, it actually says violent brain fever. Quote that's unquote. The, that's amazing. Well, remember this was written what 130 years ago or something. Yeah. Like it's quite an old book. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel at the end of Poetry Night. You violent brain. Well, that's why you're angry, <laughs> angry and seething. <laughs> your violent right. brain fever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's what I find really interesting is, is that it was. It's actually a really old book, but it, it really keeps my interest. Mm. I, I, this morning I was genuinely. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was genuinely disappointed that nothing came through today, especially yeah. because so much has happened. And like, is is Lucy going to turn into a vampire? Is she going to like attack Mina? Mm. Uh, Dracula's obviously trying to get to her in the form of a bat. Uh, I don't know. It's just, and now now Mina's having to lock Lucy in. It's um, yeah, it's very. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's odd, and I can't wait to see what happens. And I actually don't know how much longer we have. I know that mm. the, the it finishes in November, but I mean, you could have weeks between things happening. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And then, every, and then heaps of things can happen all of a sudden. So yeah, yeah. and then it comes through eleven p.m. my time at mm. night time, and I, and I must admit I've looked at it a couple of nights. Just waited. I'll just wait <laughs> up a little bit more so I can wait for Dracula Daily. Yeah. I love it. So if anyone's keen, uh, you just go to Dracula Daily. If you just Google Dracula yep. Daily, it'll yep. come up. And that, yeah, they send you emails uh, in, in, what's it called when it's in, in order? Uh, in order? Yeah, okay. Thanks, Zach. Yep, that's You're right. so helpful. <laughs> I, I think you've got violent brain fever. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, in order. Chronological There order. we go. That's gotcha. the word I wanted. Okay. Thank you. Right. Uh, chronological order in that the letters and the journals and everything like that is written, yep. um, which is slightly different from the book. And I love it. It's really fun those two holes in your neck would probably give you chronological pain hey what like chronic pain chrono no no you i can't believe you judged my joke about onions but (laughs) then you made that that is ridiculous you've never heard that one before though have you never heard my onion one before because it didn't make any sense hopefully never again (laughs) so um (laughs) that's uh we've been paperback writer Catherine and zach thank you so much for listening in thank you um we'll play another song as we go out we'll be back again next week 12 o'clock on Wednesdays. And, of course, um, the show will be available as a podcast too. Um, The podcast normally drops around about uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday morning. I love that you said drop. You're pretty hip. Yeah, that's that's what the cool kids say. What cool kids? I'm very on fleek, apparently. What cool kids say that? I think saying on fleek means I'm not on fleek. Yeah. Apparently you're chuggy. Yep, okay. I think we just give up. I think think we'll go home. (laughs) I think we both need a nap. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, This is Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM. I'm Catherine. And I'm Zach. It's just weird. Okay, I'll just ruin that. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Paperback writer, thanks for listening to us. Have an awesome day and enjoy the sunshine.